live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Rugs all alone off to the right. He's one-on-one with Darius Slay. Slay gives him a little bit of a cushion. Now he backs off. Carr looks to the middle, fires, grabbed in the end zone by Foster Moreau. Jackpot, baby! Vegas touchdown! Carr takes it snap and hands it off now and running for the touchdown jackpot baby josh jacobs the ball is across the two just short of the one yard line zay jones and edwards go off to the left now richard is the running back cars up underneath james gonna fire quickly jackpot baby touchdown raiders it's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on Monday. Cofield and Company on the road. Twin Peaks is the site. We're getting ready for Monday Night Football. Saints and Seahawks could be a slop fest because of the weather. Uh, not a slop fest here, although it feels like it's going to rain. We got the patio open at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Beautiful day, a little breezy. Will Ramirez is alongside. What's up, Will? Busy day, right? Busy day. Busy day, busy day. A lot of jackpots yesterday. Busy yesterday. Hey, yeah, man. a lot of jackpots. I, I had a, I had a personally, I had a busy day. We'll go over that later. Yeah, yeah but, we'll get uh, into the uh, double dip in town with the uh, Knights. But I'm excited because we, I mean, this place tonight is going to be popping. We got some people coming down. It's already always crowded in here for as as they get closer to kickoff. We got some special people coming. We're going to talk about that. So I'm pumped about today's show. It's trending at two. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at eight seven 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 hundred Nova. Who's right out of the gates in the NFL? Before we get to the massive Raiders victory yesterday, dominant Raiders victory yesterday, and what's going on with the Golden Knights in just yeah. a few? Uh, do you got to mention? And I bring this up every once in a while. Uh, mm. Thursday night football coming up. Oftentimes, you can have an integrity situation with injuries. And we saw this this last week where Baker Mayfield wasn't ready to go. Browns won, so they survived. Uh, this week, now we're going to have a situation. Two division leaders, Packers and Cardinals. And that's the risk of actually putting good games on Thursday night. You know, we look at the matchups a lot of times, and, you know, they're not so hot games. And I think there's a reason for that because – I, to me, it is unfair to have to play on four days' notice. Yeah, it's just not right. Well, now the Packers have a situation. I don't know uh, if they're going to be able to get out in front of this in time, but it looks like Devontae Adams may miss the game for the Packers against the Cardinals. He's been put on the COVID list. Um, reading Kevin Seifert, who covers the NFL, said uh, for Devontae Adams to play on Thursday night, he must be fully vaccinated, must be asymptomatic, test negative twice. With 24 hours in between. Well, there's not a lot of time up until Thursday night football. Uh, Schneids, Matt Schneidman, who used to be a regular with us when he was covering the Raiders out uh, in Oakland, uh, he said that Devontae Adams is vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, so this is official confirmation. The only way the Packers have put him on the reserve list is if he tested positive. So as he, as he repeats it, must test negative two days in a row in order to play on Thursday. So there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers – could be without Devontae Adams. And let me tell you, if you look at the numbers, the connect rate between those guys has been incredible. Who was that that you just said confirmed he was vaccinated? Uh, Matt Schneidman, who covers then, the Packers. And then Tom Silverstein from Milwaukee, also covers the Packers, said uh, 
you can assume, his tweet says you can assume Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams won't play versus the Cardinals. Adams said he is vaccinated, so he would not be sidelined if he were a close contact. Testing positive means he can return when his he tests negative twice, 24 hours apart. Not likely by before Thursday. That's from Tom Silverstein on Twitter, uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reporter. So yeah, I mean. Like you said, they make this matchup. I mean, now let's be real. When they made this matchup for Thursday, nobody thought that the Cardinals would be the last undefeated team, but they did think it would be a, a stellar matchup between Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers and two offenses to see what could happen. And, of course, J.J. Watt, blah, blah, blah. But now with this, four days rest, but more importantly, four days to get him you know, get him cleared. And I don't know whether that's going to happen. Um, if he tested, if he, if he would he tested positive day, so if they are Tuesday, he's got a test, and Wednesday he's got a test. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. Well, I'll say in the Las Vegas market, thank God for the Raiders at five and two, because man, some of the other teams here, you know, I cover UNLV football. It's just been a rough season for them. Yep. They're zero and seven. They lost again last week, uh, Thursday. Another close game. Couldn't get it done at the end. Um, you know, go back a couple of weeks ago. I mean, absolute choke job uh, by the Aces, which, by the way, we never got to follow up on. You, you were sending like subtle hints over to me uh, during that run in the playoffs that uh, maybe there's a problem at the coaching slot with Bill Lambeer, and no one has really talked about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a problem, but obviously when you have the MVP and you continually are favored to win or one of the favorites, you have – Olympian, gold medal Olympians. You have three sixth women of the year winners in terms of uh, Derek and Marie Hambry twice, and then Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum also won the comeback player of the year. She's the all-time scoring leader in NC2A history. You have a plethora of talent on that team, and you are be- you're brought in as the you know, with all the titles, right? You're running the team. You're the head coach. You've got rings. And all I was saying was, maybe the problem's not. You know, right? You know, let me let me just also, let me let me just uh, throw also, this out there. Also, as Grainy has pointed out uh, multiple times, there seems to be a lack of accountability. Well, a lot of a lot I, of blame game stuff. Well, yeah, that's because I point. I I, I said <laughs> subtle hints to him too. <laughs> Those are from my subtle so, hints. So your combo's rubbing off on but, but let me just throw this at you. Yeah. And let me throw this subliminal hint at you. Imagine. By the way, we have about 30 seconds left on the WNBA okay. on a football Monday. So yeah, let's, yeah. not the chance. No, no, no. I'm not going to I brought it up. But, but can you imagine? I'm like, uh, come on. Can you imagine a controlling coach who uh, cusses and yells and, uh-huh. and, and, uh-huh. and causes stress? And then uh, what yeah. happens when they disappear in this positivity? Yeah. Oh, hello, Raiders. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. Good, uh, good tease for about 15 minutes from now. We'll talk about addition by subtraction with John Gruden because the results so far have been pretty good. Well, the results have not been good. You know, I was just laundry listing the, the teams that have some problems right now, mm-hmm. uh, Golden Knights are right at the top of the list in terms of disappointment Ouch. and not looking real promising for the next couple of weeks while at least Stone is down, Patches is out even longer. I mean, this run has been – this is awful. I mean, the six goals in four games, they've lost four straight. Uh, they're 0-4 since the 14th. It just doesn't look good, Willie. Two straight games now. You just keep adding. Two games ago, Zach Whitecloud. Looks like he's going to have a broken hand. And then yesterday, just before the game, we find out Nolan Patrick, he's down. So it, it, it's, it, it's mind-boggling. Ten guys in five, day, in five games are missing time and still, either still are. I think one was a COVID reason. But in some way, shape, or form, ten different players. Now think about that. Ten different players. You need, right, four lines, 
three guys has 12. Then your pairings has 18 skaters. Ten got ten regulars have missed five have at some point through the first five games have missed time. And two of them are your leading forwards in Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Not a good deal. Not a good sign. It does explain it, but you know, as much of the Vegas market reacts to, you know, uh, to these situations with other clubs, tough noogies. Yeah. That's what that's what the organization is for, and that's why you have to have a deep team. And I told you last week, listening to uh, Dave Gocher on uh, Nighttime at Noon, which, by the way, is a really good hockey talk show uh, over at Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas with all the broadcasters from VGK. Gocher was saying a while ago that Pete DeBoer talked about being 22 or 23 deep yeah. with his roster, so now you're really getting tested. And, and frankly, outside the market, people don't care. You know, the Knights, Knights actually have been graced with pretty good health. Right for the most part, the last three years, yeah. sometimes the perfect storm hits and it's it's miserable. You're you're injured and other teams don't care. They're going to come in here, or when the Knights go on the road and pound them, shut and them down. And so far, they've been shut down. And I asked Alex Petrangelo about that last night because Petrangelo played for the St. Louis Blues team that went into January a couple of years ago in dead last place in right. the entire NHL. Right. They switch goalies. Jordan Biddington comes in as a rookie, and they make the run, and they win the whole thing. That was the year that the Golden Knights lost in the first round with the major penalty, and they were up three games to one and the Cody Eakin penalty. So he said, you know, yeah, those are – this." I said, is this this at least – every team's going to go through a lull. You're going to get – you know, I mean, you're kind of blindsided by injuries, but you've seen team – you've obviously played for a team. You captained a team that was – playing horribly for the first half of a season and then went on to win the whole thing. And, you know, he said, yeah, you know, you don't want it. You don't want this to happen, but it tests your, your depth. It, it, it gets guys playing time. DeBoer said that as well. There's a lot of guys that are being able to come in and see playing time. So maybe if they're going to have to go through it and let's not, I mean, come on, there's 82 games. They've lost four straight. They're one and four. If they were to play, they were to lose four games in a five game span. And it was spread out between games 12 and 22. Then nobody's going to say anything. 62 and 67. Right. So, I mean, nobody, you you don't notice it, but at the beginning of the season, well, that's when people freak out. Right. Right. So it's it's a a matter of number. And I don't know how much it is a matter of let's get these guys healthy. Yes. You want that. But, when you're having to interchange parts at the beginning of the game or with one day off, there's a little bit of chemistry. They got to blend. They got to figure it out. They're gonna, you know, as they get guys back, they get healthy. I think that you know they're 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 still a playoff team. It's for their five games in the season. Just relax, see what happens. It's not. It would be worse if they were one and four and they had half those guys. Obviously, right? So, I don't think it's Leonard's problem. I mean, Leonard played fantastic last night. He took accountability for the second goalie. I mean, they they lost two nothing. You're playing against a team that played the night before. The guy, the goal, uh, um, Soroyki. I I can't pronounce it, but it slipped my mind. The Islanders goalie, two straight shutouts. On back-to-back nights, he never played. Barry Trotz, we talked to him, he said, never played back-to-back. He asked him if he was good to go. He said, I've never done it before in my career, but I'll do it again. Soroika. And he uh, and he, he he shuts out the Coyotes on Saturday, shuts out the Golden Knights on Sunday. No such issues with our winning organization in town. The winningest. The Las Vegas Raiders, 5-2. and two. Season could have, maybe should have fallen apart after a massive scandal where yep. the league pushes your coach out, John Gruden gone, and they have come together and they're playing great football. I don't know how good the Broncos and the Eagles are. It doesn't matter because of the way they beat them. You know, if they had edged them out, just gotten by Willie, then that's one thing. 
The final score in both games does not indicate just how dominant the Raiders were, and they were dominant yesterday. And dominant in areas where you've had worries, you've had struggles, they freaking pounded the Eagles. And obviously the biggest story of the game is Derek Carr has reached another level these last two games. He was great to begin the season. Now we can talk about him being amongst the elite, what he's done the last two games yesterday. I mean, come on, 31 of 34, a 91.2% completion percentage. What is it, the second highest number since 1950 with a minimum of 30 attempts. Breeze had a game where he went 29 of 30. Yep. Derek Carr is playing some awesome football, and he really has put the Raiders on his back when maybe they were going to struggle because Gruden, the play caller, was gone. Gruden, the head coach, was gone. Greg Olson's taken over the full-time duties. Carr's been dynamite. He's dialed in. And, and he's not just dialed in because he's throwing the dink and dunks. I mean, he, under pressure, he's throwing on a run. He's planting the foot. He's finding his receivers. He's throwing him in strike. He made one bad play yesterday, one bad throw out of the three <laughs> incompletions. It turned out to be a deflection because he threw behind Richard, and Richard happened to reach back to get it. If he doesn't reach back to get it, it may not get deflected for an interception. But other than that, I mean, the, the throw to Zay Jones – down the sideline was unreal. And Zay made a great catch. But, I mean, he had – for him to make as good a catch as he did over that receiver, the, the throw had to be on a dime. And and Carr made that throw. And he's focused right now. He is coming in. He he is as poised as ever. Um, he looks good. And, yeah, I mean – and and uh, Basaccia said it best. He's the voice of this team. Uh, it's amazing. We're going to do it, but I thought it was mumbo-jumbo when uh, Stephen A. and and Keyshawn picked different sides on Derek Carr being elite. I mean, I think it's a real discussion now. The way he is playing, he is a top five or six quarterback in the National Football League. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at Two. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Uh, you know, we got a special group of guys, um, and uh, they understand the mission. And unfortunately, um, the lines got a little crossed. But um, those guys are those guys are really special, and they they absolutely picked it up. And we rallied around each other, and we've been been blessed to find ways to win the past two weeks. Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Raiders win 5-2 and two now. Dominant force in the Las Vegas market. A lot of people wrote him off after Gruden was uh, pushed out by the National Football League. Willie? Yes. You know what? I'm going gonna, gonna to restart the show in a way. Okay. Because... I'm not one to come on the air and be a blowhard, a self-promoter, bloviate about when I'm right. Oh, boy. Uh, too many of our brethren sports radio do that. Of course, they don't mention when they're wrong. We try to mention when we're wrong. I'm going to say a couple of things here. First of all, someone, back yeah. off, someone. I would just point to it. Yeah. Someone <laughs> send me audio of any other sports talk host in the country, right? Mm. And, again, not someone who's directly connected with the Raiders or a blogging fan. Send me audio or proof that anyone else in the country, when the schedule was released, came on the air and said the Raiders will be 5-2 and two going to the bye week. Because I did that. 
again, I never do this, mm-hmm. but I knew this team was going to get better. I knew the schedule was manageable. I said they would be five and two or six and one going to the break. I said they'd be ten and seven at the end of the year. Maybe I need to recalibrate that number. I did that. Right. And I'll tell you the other thing. Last week, especially if you looked on social media, I told everyone the Eagles were going to get crushed in this game by the Raiders, which is kind of amazing. Not that I control anything, right, Willie? But the line, at one point, we were sitting there at the Westgate on Sunday morning, Candy and I, doing the uh, Sunday football preview show, and the number was at two. Did it actually get down to, like, one half pick them? Yeah. I, I guess it wouldn't be a half. I didn't but, see pick them. Yeah, it I, wouldn't be a half. But. I saw one. Or okay. I, or or uh, I think Adam told me it was one when we were sitting wow. in the, at the eating or at the table, you know, with, with the, the media guys. Yeah. You know, we were sitting for breakfast. What were the Sharps and what was what the public? What were they thinking well, about, the this, about this Eagles team? Listen, here's the deal. I'll admit this. I was wrong on the Cowboys to this point. I told you before the season, fade this entire freaking division. Don't get sucked into – buying anything from the division, especially when they match up against each other. And the NFC is going to play each other a lot at the end of the season. This division ain't good beyond the Cowboys. And when these teams travel outside the division, I mean, Giants got the job done yesterday against Carolina, so I guess that's a touche. But teams like the Eagles, they're not good. And this is such a big deal for the Raiders. Not only are they 5-2, and two, and hell, they, they could be 6-1, and one, had they beat the Bears. That was a weird one because the Gruden news came out. So I think there was some, you know, disturbed uh, stuff going on there. Maybe a little distraction. Yeah. Um, but they just pushed to 5-2 and two by kicking the living crap out of teams that they should beat. They didn't mess around. That's the impressive part. Right. And you have to be able to back up what you do. We talked about the Broncos going 3-0 and against crappy teams. And then they tanked. The Raiders opened the season against a guy who can, is in some regard, and I believe, is the best overall athlete on a football field, Lamar Jackson. Maybe not the best skilled quarterback, but all combined. Talented Baltimore team, um, and they, they opened up 3-0. and They went to Pittsburgh and won, and they lost the two straight. Chargers, very good team. Bears, amidst all that. But the last two weeks, what they have done is exactly what they were supposed to do in the manner that they were supposed to do it. So you can talk about how bad Denver is. You could talk about how, you know, young or sort of out of sync Philadelphia is. The bottom line is. I don't care. I don't want to. Then that's the thing. I don't want to hear it because yeah. of what I heard, what I heard uh, in the lead up to this game was, oh, man, Raiders offensive line against this. Eagles defensive front, man. No, That's no, a good defensive no. uh, and, defensive and, front and Fletcher Cotton. Now, keep in mind, yeah. the Raiders came into this game with the – this is their offensive line, right? The They have three tackles, technically, who are rated as tackles now that Leatherwood has moved to guard. But yep. they have the – one tackle is 79 out of 79, according to PFF. PFF. Another guy who plays tackle is 78 out of 79. Colt Miller's 20 out of 79. They have the 35th rated center out of 35. They're – other guard is 68 out of 76. Bottom line. That, that line with those ratings freaking steamrolled the supposed dangerous defensive front of the Eagles led by Fletcher Cox. And they also stepped up in Denver. They allowed two sacks, and it was in the same drive, okay, 
Since then, in the second quarter of that Bronco game, they have not allowed a sack. Derek Carr was touched twice yesterday. Two quarterback hits was not sacked. That offensive line is doing its job. I saw somebody tweet early in the game that very first drive, which actually was a very productive drive by the offense. It was that deflected pass in the red zone that got intercepted. They drove the ball downfield. Somebody tweeted, uh, here goes that offensive line again, getting dominated, struggling. Struggling? The offensive line has been fantastic. We, if there's one thing that we've seen in the last two weeks, the, the the biggest part of improvement, we've talked about improvement with this team since the start of the season, starting with the defense and in the secondary. And then, of course, Max Crosby and Ngakwe on the edges. We've talked about the improvement. Within the season, since week one, the improvement's been the offensive line. Brought my right-hand man, Danny Webster, out there. and said, we're supposed to do two stories for AP. Usually the breakout is on the losing team, a sidebar. I said, screw that. The story is on the offensive line. So that uh, no, you're you're 100 correct. Kudos to you for calling a five and two start. A lot of people didn't have this team being uh, three and four, two and five, maybe at this point in the season because they thought it would be a typical Raider start. But they're playing well, and I will say that they got some new life in them for whatever reason. The last two weeks, they played their best football. All right, let's address the elephant in the room. Okay. Let's do it on the way back. Was this addition by subtraction? Again, it's only two weeks of results, and maybe there's a collapse coming after the bye week, and, you know, this coaching staff, or I'm not going to say the staff has figured out, but the, the head coach has figured out. But John Gruden is gone, and this team has done nothing but prosper the last couple of weeks. And, by the way, we won't take a break here. We'll, we'll wait a little bit. I forgot. All right. I forgot. We just, we just we took an extended break, so we got we got some extra time. So, Answer the question. Are you getting anything from players? Like, has anyone slipped at all? Has anyone made a comment aside from Josh Jacobs that, hey, maybe this group is better without the intensity of John Gruden on the sidelines like Josh Jacobs said after game one without him? Nobody said that. The only thing that we've heard is that the team came together and felt that sense. Of, and I heard this this phrase in the preseason. Okay? First time I heard it was uh, in the press room. You know, one of the first two weeks availability, Damon Arnett really touched on it when he and I had a one-on-one conversation. But the, the the phrase brotherhood has been thrown around that locker room since training camp start. And Gus Bradley, Bradley brought that. And that's not just with the defense, but that's with the entire team. Brotherhood, being there for one another. This is an us thing. This is not Derek Carr's team. This is not Darren Waller's team. This is not Josh Jacobs' team. This is not Casey Hayward's team. This is our team. This is a brotherhood. So they already somewhat had that going for them. So I think what they had to do, and, and one thing that you heard last week, you know, when we had the first media availability and again reiterated was that the leaders of this team stepped up and said, we, ha- we have to stay together. This is our time. We're five weeks into the season. We're three and two. There's no reason why we can't rally around all this and look past it. There's nothing we can do. We can't save Gruden. We, you know, he can't do anything for us. We, we got 12 games left. We have to stay together. We have to continue on the mission that we started with. And I think that that really has been the battle cry the last couple of weeks is being there for one another, the brotherhood that they've formed, the leaders stepping up. We heard Basachi say yesterday that um, who um, that Derek Carr is the voice of the team. When he walks in that room, if he's got something to say, everybody is listening. Everybody, from special teams to defense to practice squad, you name it, they're listening. And they're taking heed to what he has to say. So – 
it starts with him, and then Derek Carr is going to deflect all of that to his, you know, to his teammates. I don't think that, you know, people want to look at him however they want to look at him, but I don't think he's walking in there with the big head. I don't think that he's egotistical. I think I don't think he's he's demanding greatness from his teammates, but I don't think he's controlling in any way. I don't think he's standoffish. I think he's, you know, he's as we talked to Vernon Fox one time. I think he's full of his face, so he's going to be very open arms to every single player on that roster. And I think that the, I think outside of Josh Jacobs, which I think is very apparent now, I think it's very clear that what the writing was on the wall when he said there's no stress on the sidelines, there's no cussing, nobody, you, you know, you're not feeling, you know, you're not scared what's going to happen if you make a mistake in the second <laughs> quarter. I think that it's, it's coming clear cut because they easily could imagine. Let's just put John Gruden on the sidelines after that first drive downfield yesterday and, and the interception. Who's he yeah, going to yell at? Yeah. You know, come on, Derek, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jalen, you know, if you wouldn't have reached back, but who knows what he would have said? Who I don't know. But from what we got from Josh Jacobs and the feeling of being in trouble, whether he goes off or not, is in your head. Then all of a sudden it could have downward spiraled. Instead, they just came out and kicked the ever living crap out of the Eagles the rest of the game. Elite quarterbacks coming into 2021. You tell me if you want to add someone to this list. You ready? Go. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. I know he's not playing, but, you know, generally considered a top five guy when he's rated by PFF. Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russ Wilson. Next group. Any of these guys, the elites, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill. Do I have Dak too low? I think Dak goes up. Um, and I think I think Her- that goes up based on his play so far. Yes, because he's an MVP candidate. Yes. But I think coming into this is coming into the year. Yeah. And then I had ten to thirteen: Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray. This is your list. Yeah. Okay. This is my list. So elite. This is a, that word all the time, right? Elite is yeah. he an elite quarterback? Right. Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Okay. Has Derek Carr jumped from whatever you had him at, somewhere between eight and thirteen in the league, in quarterback rankings? Has he done enough? In these seven games, what is it, five of the games or 300 yards or six, whatever it is, um, has has he jumped up from 8 to 13 where he now should be mentioned in the same breath as Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jackson, and Wilson? Yes. If we just- <laughs> you were so pensive. I was like, I think he's hesitating. I expect to know. And then you're like, yes, matter of factly. Well, because I'm thinking, like, I didn't write down a list. You just read a list that you have on your desktop, and I yeah. didn't make a list. But when all that came up and we, and we were talking early on and we talked about the Keyshawn arguments and da-da-da, I had already said. Now, I didn't say he was top five elite in that category, but I said every time it came up and we did our predictions on the show one day in the studio, it was you, me, and Adam, and I said – that he because it was well is he top 10 top 12 top 15 I said I've been saying he's a top 10 quarterback I don't I didn't put him in the top five elite Rodgers Brady that but I said he's right there and he could creep in there because he plays with the you know how he plays and his accuracy his numbers are right there and that last year let's not forget where they were midseason and that they continued to play that way. It was the defense. Three games they blew leads. Uh, Chargers, Dolphins, Chiefs. Go look it up. In the last minute of three of those games, one in overtime, they blew leads. Derek Carr's not on defense blowing leads. The defense is. Now he's got an improved defense, and oh, look what happens. They go to Denver and smack them around. Eagles come in. They smack them around. He's laughing. No, you're good because you're cracking. You're like, Derek Carr's not on defense blowing leads. The defense is. You're right, man. 
That makes you, sense. You, you brought me aboard to be the company to be the calm on this show, and you get me fired up. I mean, there's a reason to get fired up. A five and two start is freaking awesome. And I'm, 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 no, I'm, no Derek, I'm no Derek Carr apologist. I think I've been honest about Derek Carr. There are certain things that, you know, drive me nuts. Um, but I always thought he was in that eight to 13 range with the upside of being even better. And I, I said repeatedly last year, I don't know if Derek Carr who won't push the ball downfield or it's John Gruden doesn't trust Derek Carr to push the ball down the field. And I think I actually think part of it is that he didn't trust him fully. And now, as you just mentioned five minutes ago, Derek Carr is one of the unquestioned leaders of this team. Versace is saying it. And now they go out and they're like, bro, go ahead. Play like the other great quarterbacks do. And we built a team that can go vertical and rip the top off the defense. You go and use it. And I, I think I, I think that Gruden was holding him back just a little bit. And let's we're leaving one person out of this whole conversation. Which came up yesterday. The relationship between Derek Carr and Greg Olson seems to be a little more cohesive than the one that he had Explain with Gruden. That. that wasn't a cohesive with Gruden. Well, and, and they're close, and, and he, Gruden has always had his back, right? He's always said, Derek Carr's my quarterback. We, the media, the, the you know, the front page of the Review Journal with Tom Brady on the cover, and then and then, Stupid and then Adam off, Hill off having, the, having the gall to see Tom Brady talking to Mark Davis at a USC event. Dummy. I, the Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson. I completely hate candy corn. Uh, gummy bears for sure. It's got to be the Airbow ones. The other thing I like is the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it, but I do. A while back, I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Getting ready for the Seahawks and the Saints. Big beers under four bucks. Twin Peaks is the site on Eastern. Appetizers, two, four, and six dollars. Full menu. Willie and I were just having some salads. We're very healthy. Willie's healthy. I'm not. Uh, we were just uh, crushing some salads before we came on. Good time here. I will. Dozens, 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 dozens of lovely ladies. Willie? Huh. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, last week while I was doing, giving away killer prizes, by the way, and we have plenty more. Uh, so get down here because I'm going to be here well after the show giving stuff away. Um, one of the young ladies, Lee, she suggested there is a flavor on the wi- of the wings, and she insisted that I try it. They were ridiculous. Oh, spicy? Yes, of course. Nice. Got to be. Flaming hot. Yeah, there, there, there was one that was the habanero, and then the other one was like a Thai unbelievable so i highly suggest y'all get down here lee and then we were just uh we were working on our meal with faith she was faith. She's, she's very cool very and camilla's cool. very cool too uh dave Koken, this is uh dave's type of joint what's up dave i'm getting hungry just listening to willie <laughs> there you go there you go uh, not 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 the wing that's necessarily, but, uh dave let's start out with a little baseball what exactly happened to the dodgers how are they out well, they ran out of pitchers. Um, 
you know, this is a great staff, but Scherzer gets a dead arm. Kershaw got hurt and wasn't available. And they had to piecemeal everything, and it didn't work out very well. Um, the Braves pitched better than they did, and that's, that's about it because you know, good pitching is going to win every time. And, and it did in this series. Atlanta was the better pitching. Well, and the other big thing is, and this is a lesson, I don't want to hear from markets and organizations that, wow, you know, we, we lost a good player or two. Ah, eh, we're done. We just can't do it. The Braves added. Once Acuna went down, they added, and you see how it paid off. Uh, guys like Soler played well during the regular season, and, my God, Rosario was dynamite. Yeah, uh, and I'm one of the people who said when Acuna got hurt, well, that's it for them. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think they had much of a chance at that point. And they proved a lot of people wrong, myself included. Dave Kokins with us. WagerTalk.com. All right, Dave, let's uh, get your analysis. It's only five games on the Knights, but I know you had a total play for total points uh, on the season. And uh, I just saw that Jay Cornegay said, ah, you know, there's there's still a favorite to make the playoffs tonight at minus 150. Yeah, I, I played under 106.5 points. Um, not that I thought the Knights were going to be bad, and they still might be a good team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the injuries have had a huge impact. But I did not think they were going to be as good as last season, uh, even though the division's not very good. And to me, it was kind of simple. I mean, Flurry, I know Flurry isn't off to a great start for Chicago, but it doesn't matter. Um, the fact is, they had the best goaltending in the league last year, and I, I can't see any way they're going to have the best goaltending in the league this year. So I thought there might be, and I also thought Flurry was the clubhouse leader. He doesn't wear the C, but I think he was the main guy on the team. And I just did not anticipate they'd be as dominant as they were last year. And, uh, well, so far they haven't been. They've got ten guys so far over five games at some point have missed. Not all at the same time, but ten guys have missed. And we asked them last night, I asked, I asked Petrangelo specifically, based off his year with the year that he captained the Blues to the Stanley Cup, I mean, they, they were the worst team in the league come January. They put Bennington in net, and then they make the run to the Stanley Cup. Is Hey, is it, at least you get it out of the way, and you get some guys in the mix to get some experience. So now in four months, if, they, if people go down, they've had this playing time. I mean, in essence, this is still a playoff team because you have to expect that these guys are going to come back, no? Oh, yeah, they're a playoff team. Uh, and they're favorite to make the playoffs, but... Again, I didn't think they were as good as they were last year going in, and they're running into a lot of problems. And they're one and four. I mean, you can't you can't get the losses back, okay? Dave Koken. All right, Dave. Let's uh, let's go over last week's college football, and then we'll look ahead to a really good college football this weekend. Uh, last weekend was weird. You had to kind of find spots, especially if you're not, uh, you know, a big dog player. I thought some of the dogs were going to pull upsets and play close games, and it turned out that uh, in several cases that was correct. But some of the games that you played. Uh, tell people about the Oregon State-Utah game. Uh, Beavers were getting three and a half, and I know there was a crazy block punt confusion uniform thing going on. Yeah, I, I went a little nuts at that point. Oregon State blocked two point, punts in the game. One of them they scooped and scored, and the other one they looked like they were going to be in great position to score again. But they had two guys with the same uniform on the oh. field, so that punt, that punt block got taken off, and... It actually put Utah in the red zone because there was an additional 15-yard penalty for something uh, that took place during the play. Um, but it all worked out. And Oregon State, against teams that might not be great against the run, 
they can be very dominant. They've got a really good offensive line. And uh, P.J. Baylor is one of the best running backs in the country that nobody knows about. Uh, we'll see what happens this week, though, because California can stop the run. And, you know, this is a, it, it's a bit of a letdown spot for a team that's not used to being in these uh, – in this situation. So I, I think it's a tricky spot for Oregon State this weekend. San Diego State was dominant against Air Force. I did not expect that. I thought they would have a tough time, but they rolled out to a 20 nothing lead and, and uh, one catch and three. Yeah, I like San Diego State because they are great against the run and they know how to defend, defend the option. And if you can take that away from Air Force, there's not much Air Force can do. Um, no, the aspects are legit defensively. I mean, they're very a legitimate top 25 team on defense. And all they need to do to keep winning, basically, is not screw things up offensively. And that'll be the task for them this week. they got a tough game against Fresno, but if they can take care of the ball, don't turn it over, there's a good chance they're going to walk out with another win. Syracuse is a very strange team. I mean, this is – I mean – you count on this team. You look at this team. They start out three and one. They lose three straight by three points in each game. Now they're what? They're four and four. They can still become bowl eligible. How good or how bad is this team? Okay, um, the defense is, is not bad, and they've got a, a quarterback who's really figuring things out in Schrader, and they've got a good running game. So fundamentally, they're a sound team, and really, quite frankly, they could have won those three games if not for some. Um, your decision-making late in the game by Dino, Dino Babers. Uh, so Syracuse right now still might be underrated. It's funny, I was listening to uh, Coward today, Dave, and he was talking about the USC job. He was actually pitching the pro angle, but he did mention James Franklin as a good candidate for it. Now, I'm not saying one game should take uh, you know Franklin's reputation down to nothing, but that was not a pretty sight against Illinois. Illinois is not good, and it's clear that Franklin just he doesn't have the quarterback right now in the program. No, I, he's a great recruiter, um, but I don't think he's a great in-game coach. And there have been more than a few occasions over the last few years where they let games get away in the fourth quarter, twice against Ohio State. And honestly, they, it shouldn't be a contest against Illinois. Illinois isn't a very good football team, and you can't lose to an Illinois. I think that Franklin, if he goes someplace, uh, he'll recruit like crazy. But whether that translates to decisions uh, going the right way on the field, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think he's a great choice. Um, and I don't think he helped himself with the loss over the weekend. Weirdest in um, late game scenario last week, UNLV or Colorado State? Oh, Colorado State, because that was a complete screw-up by Adazio. And reminiscent of one that he had, I think it was last year, uh, or two years ago with Boston College, where he just... He just panicked at the end of the game, and they couldn't get a playoff. Um, but UNLV's was really weird. I mean, you get the ball back with more than seven minutes to go, down a touchdown. How do you run out of time uh, when you never gave up possession of the ball? It, it's almost impossible. Uh, but they did it, and, well, uh, just another tough loss for them. And, uh, look, you're going to lose again this weekend in all likelihood. But the one thing we're seeing out of UNLV is a lot of fight, and they've played really well. The first half of these games, I think that's a live bet again this weekend. I think UNLV first half plus about ten, maybe ten and a half. That's not a bad bet. 
And, you know, just to, just to piggyback on that, Dave, one thing everybody said I was absolutely nuts. You'll probably jump on that bandwagon. You like to call me nuts on the late night show. I said on several different shows, podcasts here and there, when they'd ask me about UNLV, I said that they that, that to bet the under one and a half, they were not going to win two games. Some said three. I said they're going to win one game. And here's what's going to happen. Now, I did not predict the way that this season has gone down. I did say they'd be competitive at times, that the one game they would finally get up for because of so much that would lead up to this point. And Arroyo, the fair, before he had coached one game, we got on it. We kind of got on him saying, what do you mean you're not taking the Reno game seriously? He said, it's not that I'm not taking it seriously. It's just that I don't want them to hinge in the past. They've always hinged one game, the season on one game. Got to win the, the, the UNR game. Got to win the UNR game. And I just said, and we've all, we'd always said, well, it is important. No, and we get your point, but also this. Now, it's almost as if it's not going to salvage the season, but this is the game that they're going to get up for. I have been saying that if there's one game they'll be competitive for, hang in there to the end if they can pull it off. This would be the game. Now, I don't know if they can win after watching the way they threw the last two away, but I do agree with you in terms of being competitive first half and staying close. 21-point um, favorites kind of hard to overlook, but um, I, I just think that this, this, this is their last game that they can cling to to try to put anything together. Well, I, I would disagree from this standpoint. They've had several games where they could have won. Yeah. And now they're, and now they're facing a better football team. So – for them to compete for 60 minutes here, Nevada's going to have to play down to their level. And Reno is still a better football, considerably better football team. But, look, they're catching them in a good spot. That's a tough loss. They're off at Fresno. Um, and I, I, I think the game probably does mean more to UNLV. Uh, but I, as far as making, look, if they can win the game, it does make their season. Uh, it's not like they were going to get to a bowl anyway. Uh, so no. this would be the salvation of the season. I'm not willing to go that far, but but I do think they're going to compete early. Dave Koken's up with Cofield and Company. You can find us up at wagertalk.com. Uh, we also do the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast later in the week up on Twitter and on YouTube. Look ahead spot in the uh, couple of um, line spots that I wanted to mention, if I can speak English. Uh, Utah, six and a half, six against UCLA. What do you think? Uh, Got to find out DTR's status. Um, he did get hurt again at the end of last week's game. Now, he said he was okay after the game, but uh, we'll see. Uh, if, he's, if he's able to play, I'll take UCLA plus those points. Georgia laying 14 against Florida. Now, I'm not playing against Georgia with anybody. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> really? You don't think Florida has a chance to stay in the game? Well, maybe they got a chance to stay in the game, but uh, there's got to be better ways to try and win money than betting against Georgia. Uh, NFL Thursday night, maybe no Devontae Adams because of COVID issues for the Packers. Yeah. Green Bay live, plus six against Arizona? Uh, yeah, okay, I'm convinced now. Uh, the Cardinals are really good. Um, I, they, they, they're legit. Green Bay was lucky yesterday. I mean, I'll give them credit. Um, they, they shut down Washington at five trips inside the 25, but Washington didn't get any, didn't get any points, which is amazing because the Packers' red zone defense Going into the game was the worst in the league. Um, opposing offenses were 100 percent in the red zone for the season against uh, the Packers, and they uh, they shut down Washington yesterday. But uh, Arizona's a better team than Green Bay, and they're flexing their muscles right now. They're good on both sides of the ball. 
I know you don't have this number in front of you, but it is kind of mind-boggling. When's the last time a team scored 54 points uh, in uh, a week before a game, uh, in the case of the Patriots against the Chargers, the next week they're getting five and a half. What do you think of L.A. over New England five and a half? Well, the Patriots just played the Jets. So I don't know what that means. Um, they had a really good game. They put up in class here, though, and they have not been able to step up in class successfully this year. And they're facing a rested Chargers team that's off a, a game that uh, I think they would probably say, say they didn't play very well. So I don't think it's a real good spot for uh, New England. Dave, last one. We were just starting to get into the discussion. Are the Raiders better without John Gruden? What do you think? Yeah, here's a weird thought. Um, John Gruden was the star of the show. Uh, he got more attention than any of the players. And not can't necessarily rub players the wrong way, but you never know. Now it's all about the players. And they're, they've been really good in these two games. I mean, they just killed Philadelphia yesterday uh, after uh, uh, giving up an early touchdown. They blew them off the field. And the week before, they were very impressive against the Broncos. So, Maybe there's something to it. Maybe uh, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing after all. Dave, good spot, man. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Dave Koken, wagertalk.com. The legend. Ice cold 29 degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks.